This is the ERP Advisor. Today's episode, Digital Transformation for E-Commerce Businesses. Thank you everyone for joining us for today's webinar, Digital Transformation for E-Commerce Businesses. Sean Wendell is one of our speakers for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. Sean has over 20 years of experience in the enterprise software industry, helping hundreds of clients across many industries with selecting and implementing a wide variety of enterprise solutions. His podcast, The ERP Advisor, has dozens of episodes with thousands of downloads and is featured on prominent podcast platforms such as Apple and Spotify. Carly Shub is our Shuby, excuse me, is our guest today. Carly is a consultant at ERP Advisors Group and has brought her background and experience in accounting and customer service to our team. On today's call, we will discuss best practices for e-commerce businesses undergoing digital transformation projects, as well as share our recent work with e-commerce business selections and implementation. Sean, Carly, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah. So diving right in, um, nowadays, e-commerce is just a part of everyone's everyday life. Um, But in regard to digital transformation, it may seem dry and boring and not necessary for most, but really it's an essential part of a business's success and ultimately to their survival. Mm -hmm. So with that, Sean, um, can you give us an overview of what digital transformation is exactly, um, as well as a description? Description of what e-commerce businesses um, or e-commerce business does, simply mm-hmm. put, if possible. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't think it is. Yeah. <laughs> what do I say? Um, right. um, I first off, I have to say Happy Veterans Day, which is amazing. Yes. Thank great. you for recognizing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. Both my grandfathers were vets. Both of them passed, but there were stories that I never got to hear, which is. Uh, you know, kind of sad. So if you've got folks like that in your life that have served and been out there, it's good to find out what what they went through because um, it could be tough. But, but anyway, so happy veterans to everybody. Um, but but uh, digital transformation, basically, you can think about it like um, you have a business, an organization, a nonprofit government agency, let's just say an organization. And that organization does things And if you have individuals doing things back and forth, work is passing back and forth, that's great. The individuals know about it, but can others find out what's going on? Well, if you can digitize what people are doing or reflect their actual actions in a digital environment, then other people can see. That's a really, really simple example. But you can think about something like uh, uh, payables, accounts payable. And, you know, if we're sitting there writing manual checks, that's going to take a long time. So fine, let's write checks out of of an ERP that somebody then has to go sign. That's better. But hey, what if we can do uh, payments out of our ERP that gets sent directly to the bank um, and then the bank can pay our vendors faster if you want that, right? That's sort of an example of digital transformation. You're saving manual steps, doing more work digitally. But it really doesn't replace people. It never will. I know there's people out there that are like, oh, my God, the robots are going to take over the world. The robotic process automation is never going to happen. There's way too much value that people bring to processes. But for those things that aren't that valuable, if we can digitize them, that's the goal of business uh, of uh, digital transformation for a business or organization. Well, it's almost 
it's, I mean, is it as simple as digi uh, defining digital transfer, um, transformation is like if you, instead of writing on a piece of paper, um, your notes with a pen, you use the notes app on your phone, right? That's like That's exactly right. Or even going to the next step, which is you dictate, right, into Siri and blah, 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 your notes come. And then you can have machine learning on the back end that gets to know you and your processes and what you say in your business and everything else. And it can basically write something for you. Like there's, it's really exciting. Like, like I really, I'm glad to be in the position that we are now. Um, you know, we're not like big, like, hey, let's go digitally transform everybody. That's not our thing, right? But it kind of is. Um, and what's really interesting then is when you get into e-commerce businesses, right? So almost every organization or business has some piece of e-commerce to it, right? Mm -hmm. You could say a website is e-commerce. Well, you know, and we got a website. You go there, you can't do business with us through that website, but not yet. Soon we will have the ability to get um, content on a subscription. I'm not sure when that is. I just sort of realized I've been promising that for a long time and haven't delivered. But, you know, you go in for a certain amount of, of, of a subscription per month, you can get access to our new work and what we're saying about vendors and all that stuff. And you go to the website, you pay and you go to the website. That's an example of certainly e-commerce. But, you know, what we're really going to talk about today, Julia, and definitely with Carly on, who's been through a lot of our projects, especially of recent, are organizations that are really built on e-commerce business model. So, you know, they could have a product that they sell online. Now, could they also sell that product through um, wholesalers or big box stores or distributors? Sure, right? But it's a channel to get from the manufacturer to the end customer, right? That e-commerce interaction where it's not just a shopping cart with promotions and here's the prices. And if you buy a bunch, you save it. No, it's more about, you know, an interaction and a relationship with the end customer digitally. So we can get to know these customers. We can put them on certain experiences with us and that. So then what's also interesting too, is that you have businesses that are really just truly pure e-commerce. All they do is sell stuff online, like uh, unicorn t-shirts, right? I mean, that could be something that somebody would do online, bless their souls. We need unicorn t-shirts and they don't even have a retail shop or they don't even sell through something else, right? Or on the other extreme, some of our clients are actually doing sort of configured products using their website, very complex analytics to get a product together. This is exactly what we want to buy. Send it over to a fulfiller who then sends that to the customer to complete. Um, there's lots of different business models around e-commerce companies for sure. But when we think about e-commerce companies, we really think about organizations that are selling quite a bit of their prop, their, their goods and, and even services online. Is there a specific percentage? No, um, but it's really sort of the commerce side, the selling and the buying, and that transaction happens electronically online. That's a good way to think about e-commerce businesses. Right. And what about companies that aren't online, but want to be able to start selling their products online? Like how hard is that? Yeah, I, you know, it's like, that's a great question. And that could be that digital transformation project 
that that company goes through, right? We've worked with many companies in the past where they've been in existence for 50 years, right? And they're looking at going online. We were talking about to a company today that has devices um, that are out in people's homes. And they were talking about sort of how they've had the internet of things, right? IOT. So they have these devices that are in people's homes around their pools. And they are, they've built apps, right? That people can interact with their devices that are at home, right? Could be anything from a thermostat to a, a pool pump to lights, right? And folks are, they're, they're, you know, interacting with it on their phones. Like literally you can change the temperature do, 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 or whatever. Or close your garage door. I've definitely seen those, right? Close the yeah. garage door. Exactly. Or sprinklers even, right? Like this whole concept of like, E-commerce is really expanding very quickly because the interoperability of systems is far greater than ever. I remember in 1996 when I started with Accenture. This is a funny story, and then we should definitely hear from Carly. Um, but but we uh, we were doing this training based on Michael Hammer's business process reengineering. It was amazing. It was, a, it was some of the best training I've ever had, other than ours. And um, and with, as we're going through the topics, we're, it was like, I think there was like an example of like, how do you transform this business? And it was a, uh, a natural gas distributor, right? And we were like, well, it'd be great if on each of the tanks, there was a little device that could tell the mothership basically what the, uh, what the amount of natural gas was left in the tank. And when it hits a certain amount, just roll the truck out. Just a truck just comes up, shows it, fills it up and moves on back, right? Back in the day, we didn't have that ability. But but now, um, you know, I have two different kinds of thermostats, um, an Ecobee and a Nest, and they both tell me when the filters need to be changed. Like, it's crazy. So because systems can talk to one another and the technology is so easy for somebody like me to use, you know, on my thermostats, that it's really a whole new world. And so that's that kind of transformation that a company like you said, who's never done e-commerce before, can quickly bring something to market that can really make a change for them. Right, right. Well, with that said, Carly, Sean mentioned that you have a a lot of experience working um, on different several e-commerce projects. Can you tell us a little bit about the different types of e-commerce solutions in the market today that you um, have worked with? So, I mean, there's really, I mean, there's a ton, right? For every ERP, there's an an inverse uh, to big uh, e-commerce solutions, right? The vendor, the software itself, right? The platform that it's going to be built on. And you have the kind of the well-known Shopify, right? That is now advertising on TV for Mm -hmm. people to build their own, make their own website. And you can sell your own unicorn t-shirts, like Sean said, right? To the big behemoth uh, magentos of the world, right? So that's, it's a, there's, there's kind of big commerce, WooCommerce, um, several others that are all just in the market. And um, you you, you have to look at them from my, like the first step is what functionality do I need out of my, my e-commerce website? Do I, am I just selling t-shirts that I made at, make at home that I, with my, my silk screen and, you know, one after the other, right. Or do I need to like have, have it so that people can, you know, click here and 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 now have a whole new product, right. It started off as a, and ended up as Z mm-hmm. or one, two, three, or whatever, right? Because people get to choose it. So you have the amount of functionality, how much interaction you want to be able to have with your clients online, right? It goes to that 
that whole omni-channel experience, right? Do you have a storefront that you want to mimic in the e-commerce? Do you have, um, you know, a certain reputation for always responding to uh, your help chats in, in 20 minutes or less or something, right? These are all like functionality things that you have to look at. I mean, all the way from kind of that very upfront aesthetic, like what do I want them to see to what information in the background do I want the website to capture? Cart, uh, the carts where they, if you leave a, a cart abandonment cat, you know, and like emailing people, I'm like, oh, I saw you had this in there. Do you want it? Um, see how many times somebody logs in and, and buys your product and gets you those kind of those metrics. So you can start going, oh, okay. Like this, this type of areas who I want to market to. So those are the kind of functionality questions to get answered up front. And then what it costs are you do are associated with this, right? Get those, get that core foundation laid and then decide, okay, how do I want it to look pretty style, right? The aesthetics of it. What colors do I want? What are my pictures? What are the the you know the branding? That's a whole different topic, right? Those are your agencies. And you have a dime a dozen of those, right? Like just more than you could, you can go into a little bit of like analysis paralysis just looking at them and trying to find somebody but it you it is doable it is very doable just keep in mind what kind of company you are and how much how how you want the experience their experience to match your experience um so that not just personalities but you know do we have experience in your market do we have experience in adjacent markets do we have too many of your same customers and that could create a conflict of interest there's a lot of different there's a lot of different things that kind of come along with it and then there's also the factor of some regulation some industries don't uh the the platforms don't agree very well with some industries so you have to look into the T's and C's kind of right up front what are do you do you do you let me sell my widgets or you know things like that so hmm. my gosh that um sounds a little overwhelming <laughs> start with one step at a time Right. Walk, crawl, run. Is that how it goes? Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, Sean, let me ask you, um, like, I guess maybe the wording traditional business versus e-commerce business. How do the software needs um, of an e-commerce business differ from the needs of, say, like a manufacturing or a wholesale distribution company? Uh, Great question. Um, I think um, there's a couple different angles I could take here. One of them is one of the major differences is the software vendors are used to working with manufacturers and distributors. That's software vendors and implementation partners. So if you do have an atypical business model, um, let me think, uh, you sell shoes online and you only sell them online, right? That's a, that's a little atypical. It's not anymore. But when I first did my my first e-tailer, right, back in a long time ago, God, a long time ago, like say 18 years ago, um, that was a sort of a new model, right? Nobody bought shoes online. Like I'd have never heard about these people. Why might I buy shoes from them, right? So a, a typical, let's say, manufacturer would, you know, buy all the raw materials and then they would do work orders, manufacturing, um, um, execution documents, like getting, you know, a bunch of shoes made, right? And then put the shoes shoes on their warehouse someplace, maybe put in a distribution center, 
right? That's what a manufacturer does, right? Then they look for sellers, mostly distributors to sell their shoes, maybe some retailers and that, right? Then you have a wholesaler that buys uh, materials, puts it on the shelf, and then tries to sell it to somebody for higher cost. Basic business models there. A shoe, basically designer, a shoe e-tailer really doesn't even usually make the shoes, right? They don't buy the raw materials per se. They may buy the finished product. Maybe the shoes are so expensive because they're there. They only do an order for a specific pair of shoes, right? That's kind of a crazy idea. I don't know, but I'm sure they're out there. Um, but more likely that the e-tailer or the e-commerce business doesn't have the traditional manufacturing requirements, may not even have the traditional distribution requirements because they're usually relying on other parties for manufacturing. They're relying on other parties for distribution, like a third-party logistics provider, right? So we worked with an e-commerce company uh, this year, right? They had manufacturers all around the world, very specialized manufacturers that would put product into a third-party uh, logistics provider, 3PL. And then when we get an order in from, say, uh, a retailer, um, the order would go direct to the third-party logistics provider who then would ship the order and just let us know that all this stuff happened. We never touched the product. Wow. But that particular client is so good at design and marketing and understanding what the market wants and finding the right sourcers to put together really fine materials in a specific way. And that's what their value add was. And they were able to build that business very quickly because the, the cost of the business is pretty low, right? They don't have the inventory. They don't have all the logistics. They certainly don't have their own shipping, you know, trucks and everything. They rely on others for that. They don't even have their own warehouses. So, so that's a big difference. And, um, I think a lot of the um, software vendors don't understand that. As a matter of fact, we just got called by um, a pretty big um, e-commerce company that called us and said, hey, uh, we bought Blah, we won't say what Blah is, and it's not gonna work and we want our money back, but we're not, we don't know what to do. Like, we're just not sure what to do, can you help us, right? And we said, I don't know, what's, what's happening, right? Um, and we just said, yeah, after learning more about their situation, we are helping them. And, and basically the implementation firm um, really didn't understand how the company should use the software before they sold the software with the software vendor. They just said, oh, yeah, you're this kind of business. Here's the kind of software you need. Okay. And then they bring in their implementation people who start doing it. And the client's like, that's not what we want. Right. And the software vendor's like, well, this is what we do. This is what you bought. And they're like, oh, I got it. But that's not what we want. That's not going to work for us. Okay. What do you want? We're not sure, says the e-commerce company. So then they have to hire people like us to go in and say, okay, well, what are the options here? What's going to cost? What are what problems are we trying to solve? It's not just about regulatory re reporting and compliance, but it's also about automating business processes and giving us better views and visibility of profitability and business performance across the entire value chain. Wow, I should be a consultant if I can say that that fast. <laughs> but it's true, right? And, and so that is a big difference is that the e-commerce company's requirements are always atypical. They're very, very rarely buy stuff, make stuff, put it in a warehouse and sell it, right? There's something along there from, and this is more of a products company. There's something in there. Their chances are they're not going to do. They're going to rely on the third party for that. Now, 
Of course, there's other models too. There's digital content providers, or there's you know people that uh, there's a guy that I follow. I need to follow him a little bit more because I've kind of gained back some of my poundage from being on uh, keto. Um, where I'm not on keto, but I followed a guy, Dr. Berg, who was great, right? And he had an e-commerce model basically where you could get his his sort of downloads of his materials and stuff, and then you can buy his vitamins and stuff online, right? So he doesn't make that stuff. He doesn't right. even, I don't know, right? But I'm sure he doesn't even have a warehouse of it. He's got peeps that do that, right? I mean, um, Amazon does that for people, as everybody knows. You can have your own Amazon um, you know, store, right? And that's the idea is that you just, the products get sent to Amazon and they fulfill when an order comes in. So it's just, it's just a different world. But, but I think what, what ultimately is the most important thing is, and it goes back to what Carly says, is you really need to understand what you want if you're an e-commerce company, because you can go out and buy the same thing for 10 times more money than what you really need when it comes to enterprise software for e-commerce companies. So you got to be careful, know what you want, right. and then start talking to vendors about, this is what I want. Can you do it? Wow. Why is this one, you know, uh, $5 million and this other options like 30,000. What's the difference here? Find out what the differences are because there are differences for sure. Right. Well, that's bottom line of everything that we've discussed at all of this is just knowing your business and knowing bottom line, what you do and what your needs are. Right. Yep. Yep. It's true. Especially in this area though, because it's so, just because you're even a, even a a clothing, we're talking to a company that's a, a, a clothing company that's online. Well, okay, but they make their stuff and they have stores and they have a very rich interaction with their end users to the point where the end user can shop and say, I want to try on these five things at this store at this time. Like that's pretty cool, right? Versus um, a company that sells uh, versus uh, Nordstrom's, right? It's a big, huge product catalog, right? Two different, the same kind of business, but two totally different requirements that's for e-commerce companies, if we call them those. My gosh. Um, Carly, I'm going to ask you this, but maybe both you and Sean can speak to this, but what role um, does an ERP play and how important is it um, in a company, an e-commerce company's um, digital transformation? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. So the ERP handles all of the company uh, transactions, right? Um, and then you have the the e-commerce up here handling the website transactions. So you have so when you have a website sale, let's just get really simple, right? You have a website sale. That sale needs to communicate to the ERP, create a sales order in the ERP and move it through the fulfillment process, whatever that fulfillment process is for that ERP. It could simply just be, okay, alert our 3PL or do the whole shebang of, of pick, pack, ship, right? Mm-hmm. And then invoice. Now, granted, you capture the payment most of the time upfront in a website. So again, then you need to have a piece that all that payment information come down into your accounting module in the ERP so that you have the full picture of what just transpired online in your ERP. Because at the end of the day, everything's about the money, right? The books, you need to see where you're at. So it needs to communicate with your ERP for your inventory, for your sales orders. What money did we receive, right? So the communication there. But then also the ERP will ideally speak back to the website 
in terms of if you're the one that's tracking the inventory saying, hey, we have 10 more T-shirts of size medium in the warehouse available. Put that on the website so that when someone says, oh, I want to order 100 of these, it's whatever your business rules, right? Whether you can't or you do, but you put it on back order or whatever, it notifies the customer of exactly where we're at so that they know. It's just, it's just a more, it's just another relay point to communicate to the client, to your end customer, what you have, what you don't have. Do you have X number only X number of digital downloads for your ebook because that's what you how you keep it exclusive is, you know, things like that. So just the communication back and forth is, is vital. And, um, you know, most of the time, if you're using well-known products, both on both sides, they'll just, you'll be able to generally get them to communicate. Um, and there's already a lot of things built out, but that is also something to look at when evaluating your software, your your e-commerce software. Well, I don't, I mean, I am very ignorant. I don't know about this. So let me ask you, is the ERP mostly on the back end for the e-commerce business or does it also include the front end for the customer? Like what? Good question. Yeah. And and it's it's probably the former from what you said, the first thing where usually ERP is on the back end. Okay. The fulfillment um, application. But again, there's so many varieties so the way that, that, that the e-commerce and ERP normally work together is exactly what Carly said. E-commerce, think of it as your storefront, right? Up front. Order gets placed um, and order gets fulfilled in your ERP system, right? We're implementing right now um, an, an ERP system for a company that, um, that sells knives, right? That's exactly their model that they're following, right? The e-commerce site will capture the order, whoop, go back into the ERP, the ERP creates all the fulfillment documents, whoop, and the knives get shipped out with, and then invoiced or, or paid up front. exactly. It could be the, an individual knife or it could be thousands of knives that mm-hmm. they sell to different distributors in there. But it could be different too. It could be that the product that they sell up front is so specialized on the website that the website does the order kind of configuration and the website may send that, okay, here's the order we want to manufacture, may send it directly to a fulfillment company right from the website, right? And then the fulfillment company comes back and says, okay, we shipped it. Right. And so their website to the other, the third party people um, can be an integration too. Now you got your ERP over here who's like, oh, that doesn't really matter. I don't need to know about it. Except if you want to do financial statements and report your, you know, your your financial results to like, you know, investors. <laughs> um, they, 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 they don't know, the investors don't know what's happening here in the e-commerce site. The ERP system and through your financials, your general ledger, that's the purpose of a general ledger is to track what's happening. So we can get data usually from an e-commerce engine and we can bring it over to a GL and we can do journal entries, but then a good auditor, right? It's gonna say, how do you know those journal entries are correct? Oh, well, that's the downloads from the, uh, uh, from the website. Okay, well, how did you get those downloads? Oh, we manually put them in the journal entries, right? It leaves room for error versus, like Carly said, the integrations of an e-commerce engine to um, a financial system just leaves more or less room for error and more room for accuracy. So it, it, the back end, the ERP really does sort of 
kind of the, the role of the ERP in, a, in a, uh, an e-commerce firm, it really does change. It's different. It depends on what the requirements are. But I think what we try to do is just try to simplify as much as possible the platforms, right? So there's some e, um, ERP companies that also have e-commerce engines. And that integration is very, very tight, right? Now, if you're an ERP company and you're writing e-commerce, that's kind of a different area that's really, really hard. So you might not do it that well, so fine. Maybe you do go with a best-of-breed e-commerce and a best-of-breed ERP. And again, like Carly said, there's integrators. There's people who have written the channel where data can flow back and forth, back and forth, or relay, like she said, which is spot on. So, you know, it really does depend. Um, but, you know, the tricky, 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 tricky part, again, is when you're talking to the vendors and you say, I'm an I'm a e-commerce company and I want a new ERP, Bing, they think one thing. But like we said a million times, you need to tell them, this is how I want my ERP to work with my ecosystem. Tell me if it's if I should do something different, but this is what I'm thinking. Oh, that's what you're thinking. Well, let me, let me that's going to be a different solution. Hmm. So, um, so going to them and then just laying out the basic foundation and then things can grow from there. Like they can bring things to the table and give you ideas. Maybe that you didn't even know you needed as an e-commerce business, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think that's spot on. So Sean, let me ask you this. How does a fast com- uh, growing business um, know when it's time to invest in an e-commerce ERP versus a new ERP system? Mm. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked to a, a food company recently. It's going through a ton of growth, right? They're trying to figure out what to do. And um you know, it's, I'm trying to think through a couple different uh, uh, requirements, right? That's ultimately what it comes down to is what is your strategy for how you're interacting with your customers, with your vendors, how you want to be and operate as an organization? There's, there's technology to support anything. So um, I'm thinking of another company I worked with many, many years ago, and they were very much about getting their products in the big box stores, very specific big box stores. And so there, when they did, they had outgrown QuickBooks. They couldn't get the financial reports that they wanted anymore. A lot of manual stuff. They needed to have internal controls and some other things that would have led them to a new ERP anyway or financial system. But when we really got in there and sort of dug around, what we realized was there's a ton of electronic data interchange um, or EDI transactions that they're having to receive and send to um, to their their, their um, the retailers and the wholesalers that they were sending to or selling to that they were doing manually, like you know, like a, a Walmart. Like when you do business with Walmart, you're going to do it the way Walmart says, or Saks, or uh, Nordstrom's, or whoever it is, West Elm. All these organizations have requirements. If you're going to do business with us, you're going to transact EDI. And if your system's not set up to transact EDI, you have to do it manually. Like you got to go into the EDI system and type in your orders and stuff. And it's crazy. So for them, you know, all of the product design and development and recipes and everything, this was a, uh, uh, it's called a biopharmaceutical company. So kind of a, kind of a health and beauty kind of company. 
um, they're all of their like their recipes and their their real their secret sauce stuff. Not even touching ERP at all, right? ERP was just about transactions of financial reporting and operational reporting. So for them, we optimized the system to be very integrated with these EDI systems, so that an order would come in from a customer. Hey, this is what we want. You know, we want five thousand of these. Great. Go check inventory. Just like Carly said, we got ten thousand. Okay, we can do five. Go ahead and release the uh, the uh, document basically to pick, pack, and ship, just like Carly said, mm-hmm. send it. Here's the sh- advanced shipping notice that comes across. Here's the invoice, all electronically, right? So nobody even had to touch that order. Like it was optimized for that kind of environment. So, and that was the goal, right? Was for them to grow as fast as they could and basically get bought by a bigger brand name, which is exactly what happened. So, you know, the strategy behind what this e-commerce company is trying to do is is the most important thing over the solution because that strategy is going to drive what they do with the solution. I mean, another company we're working with, they're really trying to create a direct relationship with a consumer who's likely right now to buy their product through uh, retail stores. They want that consumer to go direct to them, but they also trust and respect the retailers and they don't want to take business away because that's how they've gotten and grown, but they want to have a, a one-on-one relationship. Hey, you bought our product. You know, let's make it, we want to make you part of the family, literally. And here's the experience that we're going to have. I bought a, a, a mountain bike uh, from a company that's like that, right? Like they're really about, Hey, you know, we love you. And we, you know, we, here's what we're doing for rides and, you know, a lot of interaction all digitally. That was part of their strategy too. So strategy is the most important thing. The technicalities of it are easy. These systems are so flexible. You can literally make almost anything happen. So that sounds like they capture your information once you purchase something, and then they continue to keep you in their database to send you information to engage you further, right? Yep. Smarketing. I think I heard at a conference this year, instead of sales and marketing, it's smarketing. Smarketing. That's that's a good one. So, Carla, let me ask you this quickly. You mentioned, like, you know, on the front end, like with the on the customer side, like letting them know there's ten knives or sweatshirts left. What about like? Can you also customize it to where on the business's end they can say there's ten left in inventory and time to reorder? Can you customize like that too? Yeah, absolutely. You want to be able to. It's just about any system, right? The idea is that you have better access to your data, better automation, better alerts, right? How do I handle things? Take away the 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 manual crucial thing, uh, not crucial things that like hurt doing, right? You're like, oh, I literally have to take this piece of paper and put it next to this piece of paper and go do the match, right? Right. Take those things. I'll be like, oh, look, this number matches this number and the system does it all for me, right? So the idea is that if we're running low in stock uh, as a business and we say, oh gosh, we got to, I want an automatic alert to our, to our threshold line, right? To tell me, Boom, pop up. Here's a little pop up window. I need to order uh, more t shirts or I need to produce more. I need to get on top of my, my silk screening, right? Like whatever you need to do to, to make more of whatever you are, whatever you are selling. So it's also, hey, customer, we'd love to sell you 10, but we, we only have five in stock. Let me order, send you five and the, back order five and we'll send you five later or customer. Hey, we only have five. You can only order five. Right. So there's, there's that side, but then there's also, Hey, 
uh, business, you need to make more, do more, buy more of this. Mm-hmm. That's, well, me... that's important, okay. Juliet. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do yeah, want to but... say something because what, what Carly said is like, that is the crux of why you really need a strong ERP if you're an e-commerce company, because that logic, min, max, reorder points, even Kanban, just in time, however you manage your inventory is a very, very um, known like been done forever in ERPs for 50 years. I'm not that old. Maybe I am almost, not quite. But but literally from like the 60s and the 70s, you know, building into systems, the manufacturing requirements planning, MRP, is there and it's been there. And it's really, really, really strong. And it's good, right? ERP, or, uh, pardon me, e-commerce companies, they're not good at that. They're not good at that. That's not what they're made for. Right. So they're made for a really rich experience with customers, show the product catalog and all the information and click here for reviews and, you know, uh, alternate items. If this one's out of stock, suggest this one, all that kind of stuff. Shopping cart experiences, like Carly said, abandon shopping cart logic and send an email and all that. Right. That's that's hard stuff. The people that do inventory optimization and planning are not the same people that do the e-commerce and customer experience and shopping, sort of online merchandising, basically. So you bring those two together and that's where you can really see like, whoa, like you can really create some really powerful things for customers then. Right. Well, um, this is maybe a little off script, um, but how... We saw that a lot of companies had to pivot during the pandemic. And how did the pandemic um, affect digital transformation for e-commerce businesses, if it did? Like, you know, whether they were pulling reports remotely or they were having to sell different products or what? Can can you speak to that, maybe, how it affected e-commerce? I can, I can talk to it a little bit. Like, we talked to a company that was in the uh, home um, weights um, industry, basically home fitness, they've made weights and bar- and barbells and dumbbells and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, you know, their demand went from here whoop, way off the top because people couldn't go to the gym anymore. Right. Right. So, so they grew very, very, very quickly. So now all of a sudden their need to get, you know, their website to make it easier to do business with them was the first thing. Then once we get the order in the website, how do we get that into our order fulfillment system faster so that we can fulfill orders quicker versus doing exactly what Carly said, which is print out the, you know, here's the order from the website on a piece of paper and now go over and type it into your fulfillment system, right? Why not just have those talk? But then also how can we give our materials providers or raw materials provider more insight and warning on when we need things. Cause that's the other thing that's happened, especially now is those ships are being prevented from coming into Long Beach um, is all that raw material stuff sitting off on the, on the coast. I think it's getting better, but it's still crazy. So, you know, uh, an, an e-commerce company being able to get that kind of visibility and faster and operational more, more quickly you know, again, based off the demand going up, I think even some some food companies we've worked for, their demand went super high, mm-hmm. right? So how do they take all the silly things, right? All of that kind of redundant work, manual work, you know, swivel chair in this system, swivel chair to this system, you know, get all that out of the way so that orders can flow through, we can get to our vendors faster. I mean, that was a that was a big thing that happened. But, you know, there also was the piece of, getting, you know, a system that you can only access in your office, 
right? Now all of a sudden you have to access it from your home. Keeping that secure, we've talked a lot about the security thing. I'm still kind of shaken from that last right? conversation with James. My God, I was in the same spot. <laughs> oh, I really was. That was so scary. Um, but but the bottom line is, you know, a lot changed. We we I think the world sort of was already going through digital transformation. And I think CIOs and CFOs had the plans to do it. Then they had to do it, right? And I don't, I don't really like that, right? Because it took away a piece of, of human interaction that maybe now we can do online, even Zooms like this. Right. But, you know, it's an inevitability. Um, and, and the way that we all have all these devices and everything that we can transact things faster but what it can do, though, is it can give you that experience. Like my wife and I, we finally broke down and got a Peloton mm-hmm. um, for working out, right? And so now we actually, it's actually enriched our lives a lot, right? Having that digital experience and, um, and being able to go through that. We ordered it. And it was like there like in two days. And wow. So, you know, talk about a great digital experience, what they have and the digital content and their libraries and everything. So it, it betters life for sure. I think what organizations had to go through, but I think there'll probably be another three or four or five years of companies really catching up with those initial investments right. to really get the ROI from them because they sort of had to ready fire aim a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, even that the company I mentioned earlier um, that we're working with, I think that's one of them. Right, right, right. Well, I think we're coming to the end of our time. So um, I just want to give maybe Carly, do you have any parting words on e-commerce digital transformation for businesses that you want to share with um, those joining us today? You know, I would just want to reiterate what I said, then what you said, and what Sean said. (laughs) Let's just know who you are, know what you want out of the system, because you will get very lost in the the, the variability, I mean, literally, like Sean wasn't exaggerating, 5 million versus 30,000 for the, like, yeah, you can get a lot out of this one, but if you don't need or want it, you won't get that out of there and you'll be using it when you could have been using this one. Right. And so know what you want, understand that and communicate that to the, to those platform, those platforms and really find out what's the right fit for you. Perfect. Perfect. Sean, any final words from you? I think Carly said it. I think that was perfect. It is great. So, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. And as always sharing um, your valuable experience with us. So thanks again. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank Thank you. Sure. So thank you everyone for joining us um, for today's webinar. Please let us know if you have any questions, if there's anything we can do to help, we're happy to answer any questions. You can call us, email us, whatever works best for you. Join us for our next webinar. It's scheduled for Thursday, December 16th. It's a free CPE event uh, where we will be focusing on avoiding ERP implementation failures. Please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com for more details and to register. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms. ERP Advisors Group advises mid to large size businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equates to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor. Thank you again for joining us.
ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software consulting firms, advising mid to large sized businesses on selecting and implementing business applications, including ERP, CRM, HCM, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equate to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. This has been the ERP Advisor.